And we are live. Welcome back, everybody. Please that smash that. Oh, that one? You sure? Yeah. It's, this is one that shows both of us. Oh, okay. Welcome back, everybody. Please smash that like button. And um, hopefully you find these uh, videos entertaining and... Informative. That's right. That's right. You keep on doing that. We used to go informative. No. Exactly. We used to go exactly. Inform- exactly. Just go with what flows, man. <laughs> we used to say informative and entertaining. And then... Entertaining and informative. Come okay. on. Tomato, tomato. I see where your priorities are now. <laughs> okay. So, how is everybody? How's everyone doing? That was a rhetorical question. He did not expect an answer. Why? Maybe someone... <laughs> Who's going to answer you? In the comments. It's going to take much longer to answer. Okay, we'll see. We're, now I'm going to time it. Mandy, come on. Comment. Quick, quick, quick. <laughs> Redeem him quickly. <laughs> okay. So, this week we are going to talk about... This week's Parsha is actually a very juicy one. Yeah, there's some good stuff. I actually... You know what? I'm going to predict... We did not speak about this. I'm going to predict that Ilya is going to have the same story. One second, we're going to wait for the garbage truck to pass by, whatever that was. I predict that Ilya is going to have the same story about, of me, that, that, the same story that I have. What makes you think that? Because you said there's a really juicy Parsha, and then I realized there's a really famous story, but it's still always good to bring up. And that means that you're probably also going to bring it no, up. No, I wasn't thinking about a story. I got some juicy information. Uh-huh. Okay, we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. Go for it. Tell us a, a st- Let's start with a story. No, no, no. We'll get, we'll, get, we'll get to it. Okay, so... But this week we talk about... First of all, what's this week's Parsha? Hazinu. Hazinu, yes. Ilya's, Ilya's on top of his game these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about Visit from the Next World. And the next one, even though I made the title, I forgot... And how to catch a thief. Um, but yeah. Apparently, Asaph was very talented in that. In he what? was a talented detective. He was able to, he had a way with words, and he was able to speak to a, a criminal uh, that they're investigating, and he was able to find ways to, to get him to uh, admit his lie, or basically catch him in his lie. We're gonna, we're Asaph gonna... was very talented in, in that, apparently. Really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about... Uh, one second. Oh, we, had a, we got a comment. Baruch Hashem. Mendy says he's doing Baruch Hashem. <laughs> well, you kind of twisted his arm to, to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, the question wasn't to nobody. Um, so the reason why I say it was so juicy is because... This actually brings clarity because a lot of people ask a question when somebody does Teshua or somebody that... One second, changes... well, guys, we're going to get right back to it. We're just going to run our intro and we'll get right back to it. Okay. And we'll start off with that. How long does that go? Okay, no, just it's like three seconds. Seconds? No, nah, like, I don't know, ten seconds maybe. Okay, so Ilya, what were you saying after before so, I rudely interrupted? Uh, um, a lot of people think that uh, it, it is said that um, when you do tshuva, 
all the sins or all, all the, the things that you've committed unknowingly are flipped and they're, they uh, count towards, in your account, they count as if you did the mitzvahs because you did the full tshuva. Yeah, there's a level of tshuva that is that it turns even the averot, the verse that you did on purpose, it turns them into mitzvot. Not right. only does it, yeah, yeah. Right. So, most people think, most people will ask a question, how is that just? A person that kept mitzvot all his life, and a person that at the end of his life says, okay, I'm sorry, this, this, and that, and boom, he dies. It's not fair. Somebody that sacrificed and worked his whole life and somebody that did it at the last moment and didn't even get a chance to do any mitzvahs just because he regrets it's not fair if you think about it right that's a good question technically yeah i mean it's it's not and it's not we that know, and hashem is known to be just it's all about justice his name is all about justice so with this week's parsha it brings clarity and how it really works. It says, I just want to make sure that I'm saying it right. You don't know it by heart yet? How, Thank you. Man. How Thank dare you. you. <laughs> so it says that Hashem will pay the wicked people in this world. Yeah. And um, the tzaddikim they will, he will pay them in the next world for all the mitzvahs that they've done. Right. So the one question that a lot of people ask is, how is it that a lot of wicked people are prospering in this world? And we see them prosper. This will clarify it. Because these people are paid in full in this world. The Rashaim are paid in, in this world for all the good that they've ever done, all the mitzvahs that they've, they've ever done whatever rare their mitzvahs were, mm. because Hashem is just, He pays them to their face in this world. So in the next world, He owes them nothing. Right, in other words, like, like let them have their hurrah in right, this world. in this world, which is temporary. Because mo most people have some good deeds. Correct. So therefore, they have to be paid, because you said Hashem is just. So therefore, okay, we'll be repaid, but in this world. Right. And so they came people who are toiling toward and actually live their life throughout the whole life and actually go an extra mile to do all these mitzvahs. These mitzvahs are preserved for the next world. Right. And so therefore, in this world, they have it hard because they have to pay for whatever small sins they have done. And let's face it, anybody that has lived this world or that has walked this earth is not without sin. Every human being has some sort of sin. Even Moshe Rabbeinu, for hitting, for hitting the rock that was counted against him. For us, that might have been, might have been so cruel, so, uh, such, such a crucial mistake. For him, on his level, it was considered to be a big sin, which is why he never entered, uh, the, which is why he never crossed over the Jordan. Right. Yeah, I so, think, I mean, whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm not trying, no, 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 no. don't get no, the I'm wrong saying, idea. I'm not trying to say Moshe Rabbeinu was a sinner. I'm saying even no. the smallest things that Hashem makes sure that He pays the ones He loves in this world because this world is so temporary. No, I'm, I'm not. So I'm no. Of course, He didn't sin or sin, but for someone like Moshe Rabbeinu, any small, tiny deviation is colossal. But I was I was going to say something else. The reason I was like wasn't sure if I should say it because like 
all these stories, like other Mauritians sinning, like they were they were meant to make that mistake. Like that's what it seems. Like they were meant to make that mistake. You know what I mean? Well, the the what you're talking about with the rock, he kind of um, um, he cornered himself. No, but even Rashi, no, because Rashi says that basically they were bringing him a bunch of different rocks. It was like the rock got lost between other rocks. Oh, I didn't hear that version. Well, that, that's the whole thing. If you read it in Rashi... I heard a different explanation. I heard an explanation. The explanation was he hit the rock to show that uh, uh, Jewish people are so stiff-necked that if you speak to the rock and he does it, how come the Jewish nation has to be punished in order for them to learn their lesson? Why well, that's why Hashem... To? That's why he purposely hit the rock to show Hashem that they're not as bad. You know what I mean? Uh, you're, okay, so you're saying, I heard that version. So in other words, Moshe did it like, like the Luchos kind of. Right. Like Moshe Rabbeinu basically didn't want that the Jews should be judged by a Kavachomer that he, if the rock is able to listen, how come you can't listen? Uh -huh, so Moshe uh -huh. Rabbeinu made it, made it equalize them and said, no, exactly. everyone needs to be here. But by doing so, it was counted against him, so he put himself in jeopardy. That's so so I, I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. He kind of had to make that sin, but at the same time, it was counted against him. No, but that's a that's actually, I've never, I heard it about the Luchot. Uh -huh. Luchot, I never, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh, that, that, that was him, that was the great, one of the most greatest moments of him being a leader then. That flips the whole script. Right. That's so with, with Luchot, with Luchot, what you're talking about with the Luchot was, the Luchot was considered to be almost like a ketubah between the nation and Hashem. Right. Him coming down and he saw what happened before he, he was, he actually presented it to the nation. He destroyed it. So he, we wouldn't be punished based on, 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 on the Luchot, based on, on the ketubah between the nation and Hashem. Because cheating is, was the punishment stoning yeah we would uh he didn't want us to be judged by the full letter of the torah which is why he did what he did and of course it he took the pain he took the uh heat on himself by doing so we would have been in big trouble much bigger as they trouble. say in correct um okay goes to show you how selfless he was so that's what I was trying to clarify. It clarifies here and it talks about it. The, it talks about the fact that people people think just because, a, a lot of people think that, oh, you know what, I'm going to be more observant when I'm older, when I'm closer to my death. No, that's not true because what gives you the, uh, what gives you the idea that you will have a chance to actually do the full tshuva? Full tshuva is when your sins are turned into mitzvahs. But if just because you repented doesn't mean that you did a full tshuva. You understand right. what I mean? Repenting means you start with a clean slate. But what have you got to bring to, with yourself to the next world? You understand what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, there's, I mean, our the, mitzvah is the only the thing that we can bring yes. with us. So there's, so different, the, there's different types of tshuva. Mm -hmm. The highest level of tshuva is the one that you're describing, but even right. but even the basic level of like, it says that if a person doesn't die with tshuva, it's not a good thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's just a basic tshuva of regretting and, and saying a shamnu, right? Um, then obviously you're going to be judged for the 
misdeeds that they did. And there's a tshuva which is so high that it'll actually turn them on to, to mm-hmm. so, I mean, this is also, there's so many details and it gets complicated, but... Of course, of course. Let's just read some comments. Already? Ah, so you said about Esav, I was going to say the same thing. Best way to, best way to catch a criminal uh-huh. is with another criminal. So Esav takes, <laughs> takes on to no one, right? Right, right, Esau. right. right. Um, and That's then, a good one. I didn't even think about that. Right, and then he just, I guess, he, he mentions, he, he, comment, he commented over here, besides those four who died only because of Chet Das, he's talking about sinning. There were actually four people who never sinned. And the only reason why they passed away was because everyone passes away. Because of the curse of the Chetetzadah. Right, right. It's anyway, Adam, okay. I actually don't remember who those people were. There is... Um, I know one was Yishai, David Amalek's father. Um, Yishai was killed. No, you're thinking of somebody else. David, David Amalek, when he was fleeing from um, uh, Shaul Amalek, he left his family in Moab because his uh, grandma, or Ruth comes from there. So he thought because of that, they'll be merciful towards her. But what do they do? As soon as he left with his, his 600 uh, soldiers, he, he, at that time his army was 600 soldiers. Uh-huh. As soon as he left, they, they hung all of them. And then they brought their corpses to Shaul Amalek to show Shaul Amalek that they favor him. And because of that, he was very angry with him. And when he became king... He took his revenge. Why do I not remember this? Yeah. So from what I recall, everybody in his family had uh, had been killed by, by Mo- Mo- Moab. Wow. I don't remember this at all. So he left him there because he, um, he, had, he had to run away. He was running away from Shaul Amalek. So he said, I can't travel with my family who are being with me or everywhere. So he figured because they're related to him, they would show some sort of favor or at least be uh, more or less, you know, uh, favorable to him. But they stab him in the back. As soon right. as he left with his soldiers, they killed them all. They hung them all. And then they brought the corpses to Shaul Amalek. They want right. a favor from wow. him oh to show him that they're, they're his allies. Brutal. Wow. Same thing, well, something similar happened to Ishboshish. Ishboshish was a was, uh, son of uh, Shaul Amalek. Right. And uh, Somebody told him his him. generals, the, his two generals, they decided to kill him and amputate him and bring uh, King David his, his head. But King David already swore that none of his uh, uh, Shaul Amalek's uh, descendants would be hurt by, Shaul Amalek, uh, by David Amalek. But these two generals thought that they were gaining favor from David Amalek by bringing Ishboshesh because he was supposed to be the next king. Right. So they killed him. I think he was, um, uh, what's his name? He had some sort of a disability. I think he couldn't walk. Yeah, he was a cripple. Yeah, he was a cripple. Oh, man. And so they did that. And David Amalek said, you know what? Because you raised your hands on a king, you, did, you went against Torah. Each and every one of your limbs will be cut off from you, and in different cities, they will be buried. I have to put a parental advisory on this now. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking around. Um, David Amalek took it very seriously. Plus, his was, was was a Talmud Chacham. Oh, but he also he also loved um, Shaul HaMalek's family. Like, he had a love Yes, because of Yonatan. Because he, he swore to Yonatan. 
Right, Johannesson, who he who was like the person who loved the best more. Spot. Yeah, they the were very world. close. Wow. Um, okay, so let's. Oh, so first of all, yeah. Hazinu itself, there's a lot of uh, schoolos like special omens, good omens to to know it, to say it, to know it by heart. It says it's a school to learn it every single day. It says this in the. Sefer Igra de Pirka. Forgetting now who wrote it. Um, to be saved from Apicursus. So from heresy, right? And to have, you know, the, like, basically to be... It's very easy, especially nowadays, with all the information out there and all the people who are trying to, you know... Uh, give off information which is counter to Torah values, right? It's very easy to get uh, swept up in it. And Prashat Hazinu is... With fake news and fake information traveling all over the world. What? With fake news and fake information in the world. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it? People still believe in flat earth. <laughs> How can people believe in flat earth? Uh, Ooh, that sounded painful. Let's see if I have one left. Don't do that, man. That's not good. No, I don't have any left. They say it's not good for you. Uh, my own chiropractor, that's it. Anyway, let's get back to it. Now, yeah, listen, uh, people believe dumb stuff. And, you know, we also, uh, and on, the, on the other side, we also, we believe there's, there's, there's something called believing lower than seichel, meaning lower than intellect. Like it's, it's, it's like people not using your brain. And there's belief which is higher than seichel, meaning that you believe in something higher than you, something even though you can't understand it. So, you know, we choose to, to go the higher route. But um, my son last week asked me a question I couldn't give him an answer to. And he asked me a quite logical question. Yeah. And I couldn't give him an answer, so I gave him a general answer that we all get. But that's an answer you give to a mature adult. He said, who created Hashem? <laughs> oh wow Ooh, that's like and a, I look at him I'm like he said if Hashem created us he created the world he created this he created who created him right now that's a six year old kid asking that question and with a smirk on my face I said you know there are certain questions that we cannot answer like uh, the red cow you know he said okay and then I told him you know we have our lachad with the whole with the bird and shoo away the bird and yeah. take the eggs and she says, okay, I'm like, you know, to this day, I don't know the answer to it. I, I know a vague answer, but it's not the answer. So I tell him, it's one of those questions that will be answered after your uh, soul departs from your body. He started thinking about it. And then he tells me, are you trying to say when I die? I said, well, yeah, technically. He says, <laughs> oh, okay. And so I tell him, you see, you, you're looking at it wrong. When your soul departs from your body, it's not just death. It's a physical death. But your soul goes on to the next world. And all the questions in the world become answered. They automatically have an answer for you. So only then will you know. He says, uh-huh. And then I look at him. I say, Yosef, what did you understand from all that? He said, in time I'll understand. <laughs> Really? I almost broke into tears. Oh, so cute. I'm so cute. He's so cute. <laughs> <You're> so cute. <laughs> wow, it's like innocence of a little kid. Wow. 
But what do you say to some to, to a kid when he asks you a question like that? It's a tough one. Yeah, I think. Well, I don't, I don't know how. It's a good question. You the 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 most simple answer is Hashem was always there. B- meaning, I think for a kid who doesn't understand when because because really, I guess the 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 furthest we can understand it is by saying, like, um, is by explaining how the whole concept of creation only exists in a created world. Right, time, space, all these different things. We only understand things in the context of what we experience. Because so we can't, we physical. don't understand what it means to not need to be created, to be above, to always be there. Time, right, time, play. So therefore, it doesn't make sense. But for, so, so it's basically that idea of we understand that there's, some, there's something higher than what we can understand. There's something beyond our understanding. Right. We understand the fact that we can't grasp the understanding of what is not opened up to us. Right. So, so there's 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 knowledge of there's knowledge of what is, and then there's meaning you can you can understand the thing and understand it well, or you can understand negatively, meaning you can understand that you don't understand. Right. Right? Understanding that you can't grasp it is still a type of understanding. It means you, you've come to the realization that there's something higher than you. Let me just see what the... Um, what's he saying here? Like... Okay, so the, the comment says God's existence isn't like ours. He exists from himself. So again, that, that, that's... That, that's going into the idea of yesh me'ayin, that we are all created beings. We have to be created. Right? But God, obviously, is above all that. He, he is existence, right? Okay. Really, right? that's what we say in Adon Alam, that before, before any, any existence, he and was there, and everything. after everything is over, he'll still be there, because there's no, right? The it's, biblical description of God, from what we understand, is, He's all-powerful, he's forever, he's immortal, he's this. But all of those understandings are from out of time. You understand what I mean? In order for you to be immortal, you have to be out of time, out of the physical time. So it, so the physical, as soon as the physical world was created, time has started. So before that, there was no time. There was no concept of time. Right, so, so that's the thing. We only understand the world in the context of what we experience, mm-hmm. right? It's, in that's the physical why, world, right. Right, that's why, like, like try to imagine a, a sense other than the ones that we have, right? Imagine smell. You can't, you can't, because, because you can't, right? Um, I mean, whatever, we know of, of let's say, other animals who, who have, uh, you know, like, like, I think whales, they do it, they, they have, or dolphins. They they have uh, communicated. Oh yeah, yeah, ultra uh, ultrasound wave. Whatever, yeah. yeah. But but I'm saying at the end of the day, we can't imagine something unless we experience it. So therefore, this is totally out of understanding because we've ne- we've never understood. We never experienced. Right, we could never experience something like that. Right. Um, okay. Let's see. So oh, so we're talking about learning Shiras Hazinu, right? So what does it say over here? 
Oh, now the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe's father-in-law, mm-hmm. he actually writes in the, in the memoirs that the Maharal, the, yeah, the, the Maharal considered Hazinu, he said that you should say it before a prayer because it was a, a very a very strong solution in order to purify the the brain and the heart okay and then um, he told two businessmen that they should learn it from inside read it inside twice a day because it's it's a um, it's a segula for success, and that you should know it by heart. And he also, and also another segula is to, to live a long life. So Hazinu is a very special, um, very special parsha. I think every parsha is a special parsha. Right, but I'm saying this one especially seems to be a, a segula for many, many things. For some reason, nobody likes the last week's parsha because it talks about so-called blessings. Say that again? Two weeks ago. Well, last week was not partial because of... Uh... No, no, yeah, yeah, okay, you're talking about the blessings and the, and the anti-blessings. Right. Yeah, right. but we said, we, right, so we spoke about how everything could... Actually, that, that, uh, that reel blew up. And it didn't blow up, but, it, but people liked it. About what? About the... Flying feet? No, the story of Auschwitz. Oh, oh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, that was pretty cool. People, people liked that one. <laughs> yeah. Somebody on Facebook was like, uh, "You have to have a follow button on your reel because we can't people can't follow you." Yeah. And because of her, I actually went into the settings and figured out how I could do that because I had to make it public, whatever. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Now we're gonna move on. So it says in the third pasuk in the parasha, "Kishem Hashem I'm gonna call out the name of Hashem, and let's bring greatness to our God. So the Urzeruah brings an incredible story. This is the visit from the next world. There's a story of a... Um, he brings a story that he heard... The Urzeruah brings a story that he heard from a man whose name was Rebunim. Okay. Um, I wonder if my brother's going to comment about the name Bunim. Let's see. So we have... First of all, the comment we had was Mendy says he created time, and then we have, welcome Stephen. Thank you for commenting. I'm guessing it's Stephen or Stefan. I don't know. Stephen Widows, we need to get connected back to God. That's our problem. How are you going to get connected to God? Uh, now's the time, Stephen. I don't know. I don't know what what your background is, but now's the time, right? We're in the Sarasimi Chuva, and we got to just uh, pray, love each other, and 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 uh, do the best we can. Do acts of goodness and kindness. Um, thank you for commenting. Okay, we're going to get back to this. So basically, the Urzerua... Oh, why did I say oh, Because of Bunim. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the comment from my brother soon. Um, basically, this Rabunim, he was an old man and he was in charge of burying people. So he worked in the, in the cemetery. And he told him a story. The Rabunim tells a story that one time he saw a man sitting in front of the shul. 
Okay. And he's he has a he has a crown of uh, made out of um, leaves or grass, whatever, like okay. uh, plants on his head. Okay. And at the entrance of a shul. In the front of the shul. Okay. In the beginning, he thought it was a demon. Okay. Because he looked like someone he just buried. Okay. So he says, um, he said, aren't you the person I just buried? So he says. How creepy is that? Yeah, I know, right? So he says, yes. Um, and then this guy asked him, so how, how are you doing in the next world? He wanted to know how he was doing. So he said, oh, I'm doing amazing. So he asked him, what do you mean you're doing amazing? Like, so what are you doing here? So that's a good question. I, I, I wonder if there's more to the story. Okay. Maybe the whole reason he came down was so that people should know this story because it's, it's about saying brachos beautifully. And I know you like this a lot. Okay. <laughs> I was learning about the next world and I was learning about Gilgulim and all of these type of things. Uh-huh. And from what I understand, from what I've gathered, coming back into this world is actually painful for a lot of these souls. Unless they have a mission to, to, to deliver a message or anything like that. But coming in back into this world is very dangerous for them. And it's not a very pleasant trip back for them. Right. So, so I mean, so... So, they usually have something that... A, a, a business that is uh, unfinished. that Or they have some sort of a message that is above them that they have to bring into this world. Which is why they usually come back. But so other than that, they it's not a pleasant thing for them to come back into this world. Right. So I, I don't know what the I don't know what the reason was other than I guess to let this be known, but maybe he had other business here that didn't say in the story. But he so now he said he's doing really well in, in the next world. So this Rabbudim was curious because he knew him and he didn't seem like a special guy. He seemed like an average person, you know, I guess simple, maybe he did some undesirable stuff. I'm not sure. Because in the story it makes it sound like he wasn't uh, all all, the, all that, you know? Mm-hmm. So he says that the reason why, there's one reason, because I would say brachis beautifully. I would say it in a beautiful voice in the shul. So I'm guessing this is talking about brachis in the morning. The point is he would, say, he, would, he would come to shul and he would make it a point to say the brachis loudly, clearly, and beautifully. Mm-hmm. The nice voice. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason why they put him in Ganeda. That's enough of a schus, imagine, to, to, to bring glory to Hashem's name. And... Then he asks, oh, and he says, you want to know for sure, you want, you want to know that I'm actually the person that, that you buried? If you look at my sleeve, you'll see that it's torn. Because when you buried me and you put me in the white garments, mm-hmm. you by mistake tore, tore oh. the sleeve, and his, his sleeve was torn. Wow. Yeah, kind of, kind of interesting, right? And then, and then he asks him, um, what are you wearing on your head? So he says... Um, he says, I'm wearing special grass or leaves from Gan Eden to take away the smell, the nasty smell, the un- unpleasant smell of this world. And Gan Eden, this world, is, is mm-hmm. putrid, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, anyway, that's a crazy story and it just goes to show how important it is to say brachis. Um, and actually, the, the Shachala Tera, the Sisei Koyen, who is a big authority in uh, in halacha as well, mm-hmm. one of the greatest. He says that he heard that whoever is careful in saying a bracha 
before and after eating and never puts anything in his mouth without saying a blessing before and after, the worms don't, they can't take hold of him when he passes away. Why? Because worms are a curse. Mm -hmm. And the blessing that you say are the exact, they're a counter to this curse. So therefore, a person who's very, very careful about always saying a bracha before and after doesn't have to worry about worms. This is uh, also pretty, pretty crazy. You know what I'm saying? Since we're on the subject. Yeah. Book, I read this from Book of Dead. When my grandmother passed away, I spent the whole night in the morgue. The women came to wash her body, get her prepared and all of that. It says there that it's a humongous, huge mitzvah for people to take the, this upon them to wash dead bodies, to get mm. them repaired. Huge mitzvah. One of the reasons why it's a huge mitzvah, because the dead could never repay you. So Hashem takes it upon Himself to repay you for what you do for the dead. Right, yeah. So even a smallest scratch or Him banging their hand or anything like that, you have to be very, very, very careful because you cannot bring any damage to the body because the body still feels it for the next 30 days. So what you're talking about, the worms eating them, the bugs going into their body, they feel it all. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They feel it all. So therefore, what you're saying is imagine, just, just try to imagine going through all that and you feel it all. You want to avoid the maggots as much as you can. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I like, I tend, I think in general, like the Hasidic approach is not that we, we of course, these are, this is terror. This is things that happen. Ge, like Gehenna exists and it's all real. And of course it's real. I get it. You try not to concentrate on the negative. It, it's just a question of where, where my priorities lie. Like, yeah, sure. There's going to be a day when I'm going to have to give judgment. But if you're go if you're if you're if you're going with that approach, it's like you're always scared of the day of judgment versus living in this world and, and dealing with light and just finding joy in what you're doing. There's right, meaning there's always But one doesn't contradict the other. Just because you know about Gehinom or just because you know about all these painful things that are await you, you live your life to the fullest, but you also always have in back of your mind that, hey. I can't take a step this way or that way because I know the consequences. But okay. if you don't know the consequences, then you're like, okay, it's a jolly world. Let's just have fun. Let's do this. Let's do that. Oh, I, every day I pray, so I'm good. I don't have to take an extra step. Or every day I do this, I don't have to go, you know, uh, go deeper and have more kavan. Or... Right. But if you know there are consequences and you know that... Even the biggest hachamim were, were, being, were being punished for the smallest sins. You become more careful. You, you start paying attention to all the details, no? I mean, <laughs> you could look at this knowledge as something that is negative and something that is scary. Or you could look at it as you know there is a consequence. Like when you tell a you kid, know, you don't do this, you don't get a candy. You're not doing it to punish him. You're letting him know that there's a consequence for every action he takes. You, you understand what I mean? That will, if you do the right thing, you get a reward. And if you don't do the right thing, you don't get a reward. But there's also a consequence for not listening to your parents and not doing the right thing. The, yeah, so the, conse I mean? the consequence is there for a reason. And, but and just because you as a parent told somebody you're not going to have a lollipop and you're getting punished, 
Yeah, you're kind of threatening him with it, but it doesn't mean you're doing it for just that. You're letting him know that if you, he doesn't do it, there will be a consequence. You, you get what I'm coming from? Okay, so when it comes to when it comes to education, every child is different. It's not. It you mean you have to tailor it to how the kid will 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 accept it, right? Certain kids need it this way. Certain kids need it another way. Certain kids are going to be tough on them. It's going to make them worse. Some kids are going to be tough on them. It's what they need. It needs structure. But the point is, this there are consequences. There's rewards. The question is, what are you doing it for? What are you focusing on? There's knowledge, and knowledge is there. We know it's there. What is my main focus? Am I, is my main focus service of God or is my main focus making sure I get by and, and, and don't get burnt? That's really the question. So it's, it's not a question of, uh, you know, and, and by the way, the consequences, is, is, it's good. It's good to have. It's good to have that little dungeon over there, you know. It's, the dungeon is there to take care of things that need to be taken care of. And, and, it, and it's a little, it serves a little bit of a, of a deterrent. But, but and I, I love to bring this, 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 um, I, example now, I love to uh -huh. use example because it's uh -huh. very simple, right? In a palace, you have people who serve the king fear-based, meaning it, right, they, they, they're, they're just, oh, they don't want to mess up. So therefore, they do, then you have, then you have um, servants who love the king. They're, they're just, they're serving him out of love. Now, sure, there's probably going to come a day where they have to give a reckoning and they might have missed, messed up here, messed up there, and they're probably also going to have to, whatever. You know, there's probably going to be some kind of reckoning, but it's not, that's not what, is their daily driver. It's not what impacts their actions. It's not, it's not part of every decision they make. It's the opposite. That's what I'm saying. The question is, is, this, is, is, is my daily relationship with Hashem, is my daily connection with God, fear of the whip uh, relationship, fear of the whip service which, uh, uh, and connection, which is really tragic, and it's, uh, or is it, is it, a greater fear, which is also attached to love, which is what we call Yiras Herimimus, understanding how great God is, how great He is, how small we are, and and out of that, just having this this awe, this this, and also like a a fear of 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 shame, like how we're nothing compared to Him, and that's much more attached to love. It's like the, it's like in being in the presence of a king, right? A person is totally nullified in front of the king. Just being afraid of punishment, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a lower level of service to God, let's just say. It reminds me of a small story. I think it's relevant to this. Okay. There was this one man that was traveling, and time went by, and he ended up in a, in a town, and he was looking for a religious person, a religious family to spend Shabbos with, because he couldn't leave. So he looked around all town, and he found... A rabbi of the certain uh, shul says, okay, you could stay by me. In the morning, he wakes up. Oh, um, he has Shabbos dinner with him. But he sees his whole family standing next to him or doing everything on Shabbos in a way where they have a lot of fear. Because, mm. because he keeps Shabbos, but in a way where he makes sure he doesn't make any mistakes. He barely moves throughout the whole Shabbos. So he's hospitable. He invited a man over at night, showed him his bed, and he walked away. Didn't even say, here, you'll be sitting here or staying here. In the morning, he wakes up, washes his face, gets ready. He sees, he comes in, he comes out and he sees his family. He says, where, where is the man? They said, oh, he went to shul. 
She's like, okay, I stayed over his house. The least he could have done was wake me up or let me know that I'm going. Yeah. So he just observed. He observed the whole thing. And then he thought to himself, I wonder what kind of a Olamabad this guy is going to have. What kind of, where is he, where is he standing in, in heaven? And so he finds out that in heaven, this man is going to have a throne. He's going to be in heaven. Mm. But his throne is all ashes. It's a burnt throne. Aye. Why? <laughs> because he kept all the rules, but he kept it, as you said, in fear not to make a mistake. So he didn't live his life to the fullest. And he made it miserable for his whole family because he was so strict with it. Yeah. So it's not... It's not that he was because of his fear. He was too strict. He wasn't living in this world. But just because it's because of the way he perceived it. He learned the information, but he he let it sink in in a way and he perceived it in a way where he made everybody else's life miserable. He lived by the rules. So right. he's guaranteed a, a, a seat in the Lama Baba. What kind of a seat did he, did he earn? A burnt one? It was devoid of joy. You understand what I mean? Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is it's not that you shouldn't know about it or you shouldn't concentrate about it. You should know it. But it's how you perceive it. It's not that 100% everything you do is supposed to be because of fear. But you should know what comes if you don't do the right thing. Yeah, it's useful information, I guess. I mean... I, I, I think I would say that it's, it should be less focused, because of how we are in this generation, it should be focused on less. It's just, I mean, listen, if there's a guy who, who that information is making him just do stuff, you know, do all the mitzvahs well and, and, and with joy, and what, like what, there's, there's this thing in Tanya, that there's this very fundamental part of Tanya where it, it translates It, it, it translates the, the Pasuk, it says, it talks about not, not good things coming, right? The opposite of good things happening to Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And it says, Tachas, why? Because you did not serve God with joy. So, besimcha in, in joy, what does that mean? I mean, because when the good times were good, you, did, you didn't serve God. Yeah, so now you're going to have not such good times. Mm -hmm. But the says, no. He says, in the time he says, because even if you serve God, that you serve Him not with joy, devoid of joy, then that enough, that enough is, is, is problematic. It's problematic because there must be joy in serving God. So this was devoid of all joy, you know, the story you brought. And therefore, and not only that, there's a story I love. I, I, think, I think I heard it from Manus Friedman, um, Rabbi Manus Friedman. I don't, I don't know... Um, Anyway, it's it's a great it's a great story because he said about how he put his whole family through right. a tough time. There was a I might have said this before actually. There were water car there was a water carrier, sorry, there was a rabbi who was known to take on all the uh chumras, all the how do you call it? All the stringencies, all the extra Doing the mitzvahs the best way possible, right? He was very machmir about it. Yeah. Also, okay. He would, but he really like you know he, he was he would make sure that he bought the nicest lula, for example, the nicest esrig. Mm -hmm. He did everything the most beautiful way for God, and 
that was a time when it was became the custom amongst many people, especially Hasidim, to wash the hands for bread not only two times but three times. Mm-hmm. But he didn't do it. He didn't. He didn't do it three times. He only did it two times. So he was asked, "You were so careful about mitzvot. Why didn't you take this thing on?" So he says, "Because." To do a mitzvah, to do an extra special mitzvah, it's not an obligation of mine. It's, a, it's, a, it's an extra beautification. To do that on the expense of the water carrier, I'm not going to do. Uh-huh. Okay. In other words, if you're doing a mitzvah that's going to make someone else's life harder, and you don't absolutely have to do it, leave it alone. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, but it, it also it shows perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, let's get back to... Oh, so this is a story that I thought you were going to say. Did you say your, your thing yet? Go ahead, yeah. Did you say it yet or yeah, not? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then I was wrong. Um, basically, this is a story of the Ramban and his student. Um, basically... Hold on, Ramban. The Ramban. The Ramban. The doctor. He might have also been... There was, there was the Rambam, who was Maimonides, and there was right. Ramban, who was Nachmanides. He lived in Spain. So no, that's not a doctor. Yeah, it was a different... It was a different I, I don't okay. know. He, he, did he also study medicine? I don't think so. Um, I, I, yeah, the doctor sure. went to Egypt and he lived in that's Egypt. That's the Rambam. Of, right. Yeah, no, this is the Ramban. Okay. And he had a student who was brilliant. And he was one of his best students and then eventually this student uh, he became he left Judaism and he joined whoever it was in that place at that time and uh, because he was so smart he became one of the biggest one of the biggest amongst them Mm -hmm. and uh, he became very powerful and on Yom Kippur one Yom Kippur he calls the Ramban over. Mm-hmm. And this is his ex-student. The ex-student calls the Ramban. Uh-huh. The Ramban has to go because he's very powerful. And he went on to slaughter a pig. It was on Yom Kippur. He cooked it and ate it. In front of his In front of the Ramban. Okay. And then he asks him how many times... Have I just? How many instances? Sins have I can, uh, not regular sins. Sins that that it says kares, right? That it's, uh, right, it's right. death from heaven. The, the soul being cut off. How many of them did I just earn? Right. So the Ramban thinks, and he says four. And Avner says, no, 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 five. And they go back and forth. And then he proves to his teacher that. And the Ramban five. had to admit to him that he's right. Okay, so he was he he's, he has a sharp mind. Okay, no, he was brilliant. Okay, absolutely brilliant. And then Amban painfully says, "What what happened? Like why why did you leave? Imagine the pain that it's right." And so he said, "Because you taught me something ludicrous, absolutely ridiculous. What did you say that in Parshas Hazinu, mm-hmm. in this week's Parsha, every single secret of." that ever happened and will happen is in here. You could find the answer to everything. Every single event is in the Torah. Okay. And, I, and I, that, that's ridiculous. It's, there's no way. So the Ramban says, I still believe that, and I still stand by that. 
So then Rabbi says, okay, then where am I in the Torah? And the Rabban, he davened that Hashem should give him the answer. Because all these answers are hidden. Very, very, right? And he, mm-hmm. said, he brought a puzzle that says, Amarti af'ehem ashbisa zikra. It basically talks about destruction, that a person is going to be forgotten and they're never, like, they're going to be totally erased from, from, from memory. Mm-hmm. There'll be no memory left of them. Now, if you look at the letters, the third letter of every word, it spells out Avner. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's also, really, Reb Avner. So, the question is, why is Reb Avner? I, 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 don't, I don't even know. It wasn't brought down in the Sefer that I learned. I don't know if everybody holds of this. Because he was, at this point, he just he threw away the entire Torah. You know what I mean? But, um, and he asked, he, he, his face turned white. And he asked the Rambam, what can I do? Is there any hope for me? And he says, well, the Pasuk is pretty self-explanatory. You're, the only solution for this is you're going to be wiped away from everyone's memory. And he, he cried bitterly. He went and took a boat without any crew, without any, you know, or is no way of him being able to, you know, just let himself drift at sea and he was crying. And nobody knows what happened to him. There's no, nobody knows at all what happened to him. It's funny you say that. Just last week in Humash, I was reading commentators, you know, in the bottom it says comments, different comments. Mm -hmm. And it said there, people at sea have experiences with Hashem more often than people on land or people who are in the wilderness. They see and witness uh, Hashem's presence more than anywhere else. Why is that? I'm guessing because you solely rely on him, and you, you don't, you can't miracles. rely, right? You can't rely on anyone else, so you solely rely on him, and you see all these different things that connect in this world. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Maybe he understood that, which is why he went out into the into the sea. No, I mean, well, he went into the sea because he was basically saying, "No one's ever going to hear from me ever again." Right. But, but. And I, I think the story ends off where basically the Ramban prayed for his neshama and eventually he came back to him and I think it was in a dream or whatever it is and, and he said, uh, thank you because now they finally allowed me to enter into Gehenna because before he couldn't even enter into Gehenna. And it also refers to him as Rav. So right, so again... Maybe his Teshuva was accepted. In, in the Sefer it just said Avner. I don't, I don't know... I, ha- I wanted to look it up before the show but I didn't get a chance to... There was a story like that about, uh, I don't recall his name, but he basically was looking for every uh, loose woman in, 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 in town. Elazar ben Durdaya. I, I believe that was his name, yeah. Yeah, Elazar ben Durdaya. So he was looking for everywhere, the most expensive ones. And then he went to this one uh, prostitute and she told him, oh, there's no redemption for you. Right. And then he suffocated himself, I believe. And then the voice came down from, from uh, heavens and said his teshuva was Rav. They called him Rav. His teshuva was accepted, in other words. Yeah, yeah, it's called Rebbe Lazar Ben Dudai, exactly. Um, yeah, because his teshuva, his teshuva was strong enough to be accepted to took, turn everything around. Yeah, there's a lot, um, 
There's a lot of, about that. Let's let's. Okay, so let's read some Amended more comments. comments. Though, yes, Stephen is here also. Uh, tell me, Stephen, if I'm getting your name correct. Yes, Stephen is usually Stephen. Okay. Also depends on where he's from. Uh, he's, some of my if he's from, your... from Spain, then it's Stephen. What? If he's from from Spain, then it's usually Stephen. <laughs> yeah. Um, Spaniard. Yeah. But uh, okay, so let's see. He's, he's got good questions. What could I say? What is it? Um, first of all, Mendy says, I don't know, <laughs> being conscious while the tissue of the body is dying sounds painful enough, let alone being eaten while conscious. He's referring to the... Yeah, oh man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is scary. Oh man, Mendy. The way some, some of the, he's so funny. Um, okay, Stephen, it's not a matter of the good outweighing the bad. If I offer a glass of water that was 98% pure water and only 2% raw sewage, would you drink it? No, that's true. Um, but I guess if we're talking about judgment, then majority rules. I mean, it's, you're saying it, it's, it's obviously the sins are, are, are still sins and, uh, and I'm not sure how that works, but you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's, I don't find the comparison to be exactly the same because if we were being offered as an offering to God, maybe that would not be. You know, very right. right, that wouldn't be ideal, right? But, but yeah. <laughs> um, but we think God will accept us if good outweighs bad. That's the next question. So uh, it's a good question. I, I don't, I don't. No, 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 no. There is no such thing. There is no such thing as one outweighing the other or one canceling out the other. It doesn't work like that. No, not that it cancels it out, but there is an idea of judgment where basically, if there's more good than bad, it tips the scales in our favor. No, there is no such thing. Of course there is. God is just. You will get paid for all the wrong and you will get paid for all the right. But but yes, but if, But what you're talking about is if you're more right than good uh, than bad, there's still no leniency. There's no such thing. He is just, which means for every little thing you will be judged and for every yeah. little thing you will be paid. But it's not that cut and dry because there's also the idea that love love can can overcome and cover over things. That's why when there's achdas, when we're together and we love each other, it's 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 uh, it's very big. That's thing. something else. I'm explaining to you that it's not so cut and dry. It's just it's it's at, at the end of the day, there are many stories of people who they, they were being judged and they had not good things and good thing good things and then the not good things were outweighing them and then some one more thing that they did in their life came and was put on the good side and then they went to Ganeidim. But there is an idea of being judged favorably for the for the uh, for, for the majority, but our job is to do our best. <laughs> we'll leave judgment day to God, and we'll do our best. That's what we're supposed to do. Um, Yud Gimel is part of the Schar Enesh, and if memory serves, oh, sorry, Yud Gimel Ikrim. Bele okay, so Mendy says that believing that there's reward and punishment is one of the thirteen. Uh, beliefs, the 13 core beliefs that a Jew must have. Of course, everybody knows that there's reward and punishment. That's not a question. Um, the question is, what do we are, we... are we working our whole our whole life? Like, do I do my job for the raise or do, my, do I do my job because I want to do my job the best that I can? The raise is a nice thing. I'm, you know, so... Um, no. You, 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 you 
brought up actually a very perfect example. Yeah, what? You, let's say you go to the hospital to work every day. Yeah. You go to work because you got to make that paycheck. You need to feed your kids. You need to feed your wife. But, but, you have positioned yourself to do the work where you work in a hospital. So, every second that you are in a hospital, you're doing it for the paycheck. You probably, in your back of your mind, you don't care about these people. But... Because you have positioned yourself in a way where you have become a nurse or you become you became a doctor, now whether you like it or not, every single second that you're at work, you're taking care of people who are in misery, miserable people. Mm-hmm. So you're taking care of people and their pain. Therefore, you're doing a mitzvah, whether you like it or not, but your intention was there to be to be there was for the paycheck. So, you understand what I'm saying? But that, so that's one way of doing it. Or okay. a person could want to go into medicine because he wants to change people's lives. Now, on the and, flip side. And, and there, and, but he also has to make a living. And he's working so hard. And he deserves a raise. So therefore, right, we also we ask Hashem every single year, give us more so we can serve you 100%. What is my focus? That's the question. On the flip side, there's a cop that goes to work every single day. He's also doing it for the paycheck. He couldn't care less about half of the people that he's giving, uh, what's his name, fines to. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> but what did he do? Now, I'm not saying anything about b- bad about cops. We need cops in this world, too, to keep order. Disclaimer, people. Right. Not what I'm trying to say is whether he likes it or not, he has positioned himself mm-hmm. in a way where he's always the deliverer of bad news. 99% of the time, when do you see cops? When something goes wrong. When something wrong happens, you call cops or you see them happening, mm-hmm. coming. So they're always positioned in a way where they're always deliverers of bad news. They're either giving somebody a fine or giving somebody a warning or arresting someone or reporting someone. In other words, they have positioned themselves. Yes, they're doing it for the paycheck. But every day people are hating them. I'm not saying doctors are hated less or or, or well, listen, nurses. It depends when. when 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 the doctor go when the when the cop you know there's a story of a cop who was literally driving and administering first aid to the patient at the same time while they're driving. I mean that person saved life. The person right. loves that cop for the rest of their life. But yeah, the day to day day to day interaction. Right. We're right, not talking you, about that one guy that wanted to become Batman or something. No, <laughs> we're not talking about that the, the guy. No, that, you but, know. but but okay, but but but. but the day to day, like when you're driving in the car and you see a cop, you're like, oh, with my seatbelt, right? Right, okay. right. right. Because, that, because, because they're you know there's a consequence, once again. Yeah, but if, if, but if my relationship with God is that between a, uh, like a civilian and a policeman, not good news. I'm sorry. That's really, really bad. That's, that sucks. Really, I'm sorry. That's just, that sucks. Your whole life you went to yeshiva? Yeah. Okay. As a kid. You really loved going to shul and praying. You, you couldn't wait to wake up what? in the morning, no. early in the morning, and go and pray with Kavana and, and go in. You sometimes, know. first of all, sometimes. But the reality sometimes. is, as a kid, you look at it as a burden. Yeah, you have to do it because what, you have it? to do it. What's Eventually, that? you start understanding and you start loving it. You start enjoying it. You starting to you you start seeing the beauty of it and the essence. But when you were when you started. You're like, oh my God, what am I doing? This is so boring. I don't want to do this. Okay, so I don't want to wake up at 5.30 or 6.30 in the morning. I don't want to... St- you're sitting there starving. You're thinking to yourself, man, how much longer? Oh my... What Kavana? Forget about Kavana. I want to okay, get okay, out okay. of here already. First of all... But that's the reality. That's how it is. 
Yes, you start appreciating it more when you have more knowledge. Okay, so first of all, I'll have you know that there are even very, very young children who are very beautiful souls and who love this. I'm, I'm generalizing. I'm not saying everybody, but the majority is like that. Whether we like it or not. Yes, but because they're children, that's my point. The, ch the child's perception is, give me a lollipop, leave me alone, and let me do what I want. But Why? Because Why? he's immature. Because he still doesn't have the knowledge. He's not, he doesn't have the knowledge. So, what? So you're, if, not, you're not smarter than the child. Okay. You just have more knowledge to work with. I, okay, look, we're both adults. Okay. Right? It's not fun to get up early in the morning. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of things that don't come easy. However, the general attitude, if by 30 years old, mm -hmm. I look at God as a policeman, that's very No, sad. that's not what I'm saying. That's totally not what I'm saying. Okay, I'll give you a, another example. You, how, how early do you usually uh, go to pray? How early in the morning? Uh, some days I go at 9 o'clock, some days I go at uh, 7 o'clock. But you don't go at net, correct? Correct? Majority of times. Yeah, I don't go to nets. Okay. The one or two times a year that you did wake up for nets and you went and when you prayed and you came out of it, how much, how much more proud did you feel? Don't, <laughs> the, 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 don't no. nod your head. I'll, I'll explain to you why. Because, this is the, the trick question, if you wake up and you're half asleep and you pray to God... You're deviating. We're, I, we're talking about in general. No! You're deviating in, in, in okay. specific. If you wake up at nets, did you... What preparation do you do before prayer? What do you mean, what preparation? Wash your hands, say the 18 barakot. Okay, and besides for that, and besides for that? Then you rush, you get your behind to, to shul, make sure there's a minion, and you start praying. We have kavana as you're supposed to. Okay, and... But the, the, you're not one, getting so what I'm So I'm explaining saying. to you, yes, when, so I, the, when, I, when I wake up, when I wake up early, mm -hmm. and for my case, it would be probably... I would do some kind of physical exercise for probably 15, 20 minutes. Okay. One second. I'm just saying from personally, okay. but let's say, let's say, let's leave that out, right? I would probably give tzedakah, okay. go to mikvah, learn chasidut. Okay. Okay. Do all that. By that time, it would probably be seven o'clock, the earliest when I would pray. Okay. Yes, I feel incredible. I feel very accomplished. I feel like my day, I'm on high. I'm like, I'm Once again, why? In the heavens. Was there a policeman watching you or, be, no, you know, breathing down your neck? No, because I feel... Why like, did you feel so much better? Because How I... How was that any different because from I 9 o'clock? I invested in my connection with God. There you go. Now, you see, because you have all that knowledge, you feel so much better. Because you know there's a reward and punishment. Because you know in the... Stop! No, stop! No, no! Stop! Because stop! You know, stop! No, why no, do you no. feel better? I protest. Because you know it's better to I do protest. it earlier. No, I protest. No, okay. I protest. I'm not thinking about whether I'm going to have a, a punishment or not. I'm thinking... I... I no. didn't say anything about punishment. All I said was, reward you know, the punishment. reward is higher. So therefore, you feel better no, about not, what you've done. I'm not thinking about the reward. I don't know. I'm telling you. And by the way, it's... Maybe we were molded from two different clays. I don't so, know. So I'll say something. I'll say something very interesting. I feel like people who are raised with Hasidus are actually a little bit crazy. Because we're like, yeah, we don't care about the reward and punishment. But really, what are you talking about? The reward? You, you understand what the reward is? It's revelation of godliness. Got to give someone. It's eh, whatever. And then the punishment is like, yeah, whatever. We're not focusing on it. And it sounds crazy. It sounds insane. However, uh, we get this 
from the, the Arabian. And the Alter Rebbe said something, he told God, and again, this is person one on the level who said, I don't want your Ganeiden. I don't want any of the, the rewards. I want you. In other words, and it even says in Pirkei Oves, I, th- I think I in the Pirkei Oves, what's that saying? What's that no, but you're, you're, you're going the wrong way, man. You're, you, you, you misinterpreted everything I just said. I'm, I'm not saying that you're just doing this for that. I'm not saying that. So what I understand, maybe what, what I can understand is you're saying that the great reward of doing this is an indication, is a marker of how great the accomplishment I just did is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. For me, when I started keeping Shabbat, what really triggered it for me is, wait a minute, you don't keep Shabbat? No, okay. So what are you showing in this world? That you believe in him, that you want to do everything he said, you want to be part of his nation. What are you showing? What are you doing in this world? And if Shabbat is the biggest thing that he's given given to us as a gift, and we we take it for granted, how can I call myself a Jew? And that, I'll go even beyond that. But that's that's when a... the redemption comes. I'm not part of the nation. I'm afraid of that. I don't know about you. I don't know about everybody else. I'm afraid of it. What do you mean I'm not part of the nation? Of course, I'm part of the. If, if this is what cuts me off, I'm definitely doing it. You know, but it, in the beginning, that's what it was, the fear. But then when I started keeping it and I started understanding it more, I started becoming part of the community, I started feeling the essence of Shabbat, then I started looking at it. I, I stopped looking at it as reward and punishment or if you don't do this, you're cut off. I stopped looking at it like that yeah. because I started understanding the essence of it. But what made me yeah. do it? The fear that you're cut off, you're not part of the nature, well, you're not going to be, when, when Mashiach comes, you're, he'll look at you and you won't exist and he'll walk up. That fear that I'm not yeah. part of it is, is what got me driven to do the right thing. Yeah, but Eventually see, but I understood that, and I, I started feeling it different. Right. But even that is, is beautiful because, I'll tell you why, because even that it was, a, it was coming from, I don't want to be cut off from God. That comes from a very inner core of, of a Jew. It says, I will never do anything. To cut myself off. But the fear drove me. Yeah, the fear of, I don't want to be cut eventually off. became love, became understanding the essence, right. be, be, you know, becoming, uh, how can I explain it to you? You became one. And you don't want to, you don't want to separate yourself from that right. anymore. You want to, you want to stay there. I mean, I, I want to grow. I, yeah. And I think that's the beauty of discipline in general, right? Where a person can, a person can, uh, Right, let's say you start anything new, right? So really hard, right? Getting up early in the morning or, or, or you start working out, right? The beginning is brutal. You almost have to beat yourself up and like drag it a little bit, like, why do I want to do that? But the discipline, when you do it enough, you start to love it. You start to gain a, a real attachment to it, right? It becomes, Especially and that's, when and that's you anything. start seeing the results. Exactly. Especially when you're like, oh, this feels good. <laughs> and then tomorrow you go in and you go harder. Why? And, ima- and imagine, so imagine something physical. Now imagine, if, if for something physically, you have to think, imagine when it comes to connection with your true source of God. But uh, yeah, let's read some comments and then we're going to... I'm sorry, guys. I'm Sephardic. I'm very, very loud, naturally. He's Dude, semi-Sephardic. Stop, stop. So, so he's... Stop, stop. He's... <laughs> Yo, I just read something amazing about, about, uh, about how Jews came to uh, Bukhara. It was from Iran, actually. Yeah, I told you about it. No, but the whole story of there's a king who want who Bukhara who asked the king of Iran, how why how are you doing such good export and business? And he said it's a, it's the Jews. It's the and Jewish then he head, said, okay, yeah. send me over some. Send some, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, 
don't apologize. This is what people come for. People come for the juice, for the juice, for the for the action. For the yelling, yeah, if we're going crazy. <laughs> the action. Okay, let's read some uh, some comments over here. So, um, wow, it's, Steven's hardcore. He's like that formula didn't work for Adam. He was cut off for one sin, was dead from one sin. That's what God told him would happen, and Adam covered up and then hid from God. I mean, sure, yes, death was caused by sin, but we still have connection to him. And eventually we'll, we'll get back to where we were. There's actually an opinion that says that everything Adam did, he did because he knew Hashem wanted it to happen. Yeah, I... I so it was meant to happen. It was by design. Yes. I, I agree it was by design. That's why he knew exactly what he was doing. And he knew... The, he wanted all of this to happen because he wanted to, he felt as if he was being served everything on a silver platter. And it's he called, knew that if he would have earned it, he would have earned much more than what he was getting. Yeah, it's called Nama de Kisufa, Kabbalah. It's like the idea of bread of shame, where you get something for free, right. you didn't earn it. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, let's see. We're cut off from God. That's our problem. Steven, these guys, guys like punching. Uh, no, I, I don't think we are cut off from God. I think that we're, you know, we're in, we're in the, the darkest time ever and we're still holding strong. I think that, I think that all the previous generations look at us and, like, and are envious and think, how in the world are we surviving in the, in the darkness, the spiritual darkness that we're in right now? I really... Spiritually, we are the lowest and the highest at the yep. same time. Yep. Technically, That's, I know it, it's very hard to grasp on, but if you no, think we're, about we're, it, we're emotionally and, and spiritually and all these things are the lowest at the same time. We're combating things that they could never dream of, of holding up to. It's just a fact. Mm -hmm. um, oh, okay. So my brother says that Amy Shams, you don't serve the master in order to get the reward. He said it's brought on the Shulchan Aruch. No, no, no. He's just yes, bringing the source. I agree. I agree. He's just bringing the source. You're not supposed to. But he, he, we already went. He's just bringing the source. Um, then he says also the idea of Mendy again who's commenting. On the other hand, you're supposed to teach someone in the way they can understand. So a child understands consequences and reward. So you give him that, you know, whenever right. it's age appropriate. Um... My brother says, because I mentioned to him the other day, I'm like, you got to come live. You got you to gotta come to New York and come on the yeah, live. He's yeah, like, yeah. you don't want me live? I'd be yelling. <laughs> <laughs> He's more Sephardi than I am. He looks Ashkenazi. But... <laughs> okay, guys. This He's, was... semi uh, uh, Sephardi. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Guys, this was nice. This is also... Next time will be after Yom Kippur. So I want to wish everybody Igmar Chesim Yes. You should have a very meaningful... Fast. And the easy fast. I, don't, I don't know why I said the meaningful fast. The fast itself isn't so meaningful. The day is meaningful. Uh, I want to not think about my fast. I, 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 don't, I don't want to have to, I, don't want, I want to forget that I'm fasting. But well, the we whole should... point of almost all fasts is uh, we are supposed to think I'm doing this fast as a mitzvah because we have the Torah set it up this way. Right. And the second is because we don't have a Beit HaMikdash and we can't bring any sacrifices. Please Hashem, take, take my fat that I'm burning throughout yeah. the whole day and because I'm drying up, you know, uh, dehydration. Well, you're take losing this, muscle right. and blood. And, so yeah. take this as my sacrifice. So that's one side of it. But another, the reason why they say meaningful is because you're, you're, you're going to be doing hodu throughout. No, so, so they, uh, it has to be meaningful. 
this, okay, so I'm saying the day should be meaningful. It's just funny, the meaningful fast. Anyway, it's a, it should be a meaningful Yom Kippur, and uh, we, should, we should really... Um, be written down in the Book of Life. We should be in, in this, inscribed, inscribed in the Book of Life. <laughs> signed, right? Signed, signed. Yeah, it should be yeah. sealed in the Book of Life. And uh, we should really foster a beautiful connection with Hashem. Amen. Each other. All of you together. We should be in Yerushalayim very soon. We love you guys. Amen. Good Shabbos and Marxi Bateva. Come on, give us a high note before we go. A high note? Come on, come on. You were singing it throughout the whole time. Uh, that was fun. We'll, we'll, we could do it together. Your brothers already heard it, so come on. I like that. I like that. I, I'm not as good as you, bro. Uh, Don't put me on a spot like that. You put me on the spot. So what? You're semi Sephardic, remember? You can take it. Right. Uh -huh. I see. I see. Okay, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Peace Please out. Please like and subscribe. And give us and, some money. Uh, uh, right, right, right. Uh, Patreon is going to be down there somewhere. Yes, it's already there. Yes. And good Shabbos. Have an easy fast. We will see you guys probably next week.